Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Psalm 127 tonight, if you would. And uh, I want to kind of... Pastor Michelle has been ministering a series called Plug, plug Into the Power. And uh, if I can say it this way, I kind of want to plug in with her. And... Uh, Talk about some things where the, the church is concerned. And uh, I just want to talk about, we're just going to activate tonight. Activate. And uh, dealing with the subject of the house that the Lord builds. I remember years ago, I made the determination that I want to leave a mark on history. Uh, meaning, I want to be used by God. And... Uh, I've, I've come to understand that the way God does things is He presents me with opportunities. He presents me with opportunities. And uh, the key to anyone's destiny is meeting your opportunities that God brings. And in Psalm 127 and verse 1, the psalmist makes this statement, except the Lord builds the house... They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. So, what an honor to be in a house that the Lord's building. Amen. What an honor to be in a house that the Lord is building. If the Lord's not helping the builders, then... The building of a house is to no purpose, is what the Bible in basic English says. So if the Lord's not helping the builders, then the building of a house is of no purpose. Well, we are the builders, but our ability, our supply, our provision uh, comes from the Lord. In 1 Peter 2 and 5, He makes this statement concerning us as believers. 1 Peter 2 and 5. He says, you also as lively stones are built up or be you built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So every person, each of us in this ministry, in this church, are stones or bricks in God's house and sanctified to serve Him. All right? So I'm I'm a stone or a brick in the house of God that's been set apart for His service. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 4. And verse 7, this is important, what Peter said, because 
Every individual has a place. There's somewhere in the church that I fit. Whether it be with my talent, my ministry, whether it be with my anointing, God doesn't place anointings and abilities and talents in your life for you just to use them for yourself. He does that so that you can be a part of something bigger than you. When you get involved in the local church and you get involved in what God's doing, you're involved in something that's larger than you. It's you get involved in service. And when you get involved with service, you get the opportunity to reach souls. When I don't take the opportunity to serve, I miss souls. Now, so every one of us have this ability to be used in the house of God. In Ephesians 4 and verse 7, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it but that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same that ascended up above all heavens, that he might fill or fulfill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so we see then that the fivefold ministry is equipped to mature the believer for the work of God in the body. All right, that, that is the purpose of the fivefold ministry, is to, edif- is to equip, mature the believer for the work of the ministry. Now notice what it didn't say. It didn't say just to feed the Word so they can get full of the Word. The Word is preached to equip the body for the work of the ministry so the rest of the body can be edified. The Scripture does not so much point to the minister edifying the body as much as it points to the members of the body edifying the body. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, a scripture that very often is quoted where it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together and even the more as you see the day approaching. But it says, get together and edify one another. Spur one another on to good works. Right? Why? Because that's the purpose of the body. Every time we come to the local church, we should be excited that we're a part of something that has the potential to change the face of our city. To change the face of our neighborhood. Amen. You read in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the Apostle Paul and the meetings that he had there in in Ephesus when he was there for the, the number of years that he was there. And it says two things that have always caught my attention. It says, first of all, that when they showed up, the people in Ephesus said, those men that have turned the world upside down are come to us also. And then it says that Paul was preaching the gospel and as he preached the gospel all of the people that were involved in the occult and in witchcraft and all of these divination arts that they all brought their books they all brought their paraphernalia and burned it right there in the city. Amen. 
Why? Because the local church was changing the face of a city. Hallelujah. That's so important. Working in the ministry should be considered the greatest honor in our lives. That I get to do something for God. That I'm a part of what God wants to do in this earth. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember a guy came to the church uh, uh, one time. And uh, uh, of course he, he, he had just got turned on to the word. And uh, he was just sitting there on the front row. And the head usher walked by one day and said, hey, uh, are you doing anything? He said, no. He said, how about being an usher? He said, okay. But his mindset was this. And here's what he said. He said, when they asked me, I thought, me? You want me to do something for the church? Yeah. And it was such an honor for him to get involved in what was going on. Amen. Look at Psalm 84 and verse 10. Psalm 84 and verse 10. This this scripture took on a whole new meaning to me last night. Because I've always loved it. But David, uh, the psalmist, says something here. He says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand or a thousand elsewhere. Then he said, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The center column reference says, I would choose rather to sit at the threshold of the door of the house of God. Right? I was talking to one of the young men last night in uh, our Saturday service at Constitutores de Fe, uh, Brother Mariano, and I was talking to him, and uh, we, we uh, were visiting before church, and I said, you know, with the holidays and whatnot, uh, 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 some people are, you know, they're, they're not in church or whatever. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor, he said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to spend my time outside of church. Man, that struck me. That spoke to me. Why? Because notice what the psalmist is saying. He's saying the house of God is so important to me that it is better than a thousand one day in the service of God is better than a thousand doing something else. You, you got to think about that sometimes. Whatever you could be doing tonight, you chose to make this the priority. And because of that, the blessing of God already rests on you because you've chosen to say the house of God is more important than anything I could be doing. Hallelujah. Do you see that? The presence of God. Notice in 1 Chronicles 13. 1 Chronicles 13. Somebody told me, and and I don't make light of this, but understand my heart when I say this. Somebody told me, and, and and I heard it finally firsthand. You know, Brother Copeland said the Lord told him that this was the year of the local church. And I heard that and I told my wife and I said, well, every year is the year of the local church for me. But here's what you're going to see in this year. You're going to see a lot more messages about the local church and you're going to see the local church rise to the top. Amen. See, I don't know what you're believing for, but if you're believing for more of the same, 
this year, you're going to have a hard time coming here. Because I'm, I'm going to talk against that every chance we get. I'm, I'm so done with that. Amen. Amen. At what point do we decide we're moving on? At what point do we decide uh, it is up to me what normal is in my life and I'm going to move on and do what God's asked me to do with my life? At what point do churches say, I'm tired of putting on my sign that God is with you everywhere you go, but we're closing our church, so evidently God's not here if you come here. The safest place you could be tonight is right here. Amen. Hallelujah. And I've had people tell me, well, that's just because you're a pastor. That's because I'm a man of God. There were people that got up in other nations today and pastors that took their church to a meeting and they know if they get caught, they're going to be put in prison or put to death and that pastor still showed up and pastored his people. What are we going to say when we stand before the Apostle Paul? I backed off because there was a pandemic. I didn't, I didn't go ahead and push into it because after all, there were challenging times. You're going to say that to Paul? How could I ever expect to stand shoulder to shoulder with those giants in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame of Faith knowing that I backed off because there was a little challenging season? I don't know how I could. Glory to God. So 1 Chronicles 13, 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 13. So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Woo! Glory! And notice, the presence of God was temporarily placed in the house of Obed-Edom. Right? Now notice in 1 Samuel 6. 1 Samuel 6. 1 Samuel 6, verse 10. And we'll read through verse 12. It says, and this is when the, 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 the men of uh, the, the Philistines were sending the ark back. And the men did so and took two milch kine and tied them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart and the coffer with the mice of gold and the images of their emeralds. And the kine took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway lowing as they went. And turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them under the border of Beth Shemesh. And as you read this on, of course, the ark of the Lord came back into the land of Israel. The Lord, if you'll notice this, according to 1 Chronicles 13, blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had to the point that it was noticed. Look at 1 Chronicles 15. To the point that it was noticed. 1 Chronicles 15 
and 18. It talks about this is when the ark was returned and they're preparing for the returning of the ark. Verse 18 of uh, 1 Chronicles 15. And with them their, brother of the se- their brethren of the second degree, Zechariah, Ben, Jaziel. What's up with Ben? In between Zechariah and Jaziel. And <laughs> what do you want to name him? Uh, ben. <laughs> and Shemaroth and Jehiel and Uni and Eliab and Benaniah and Masiah and Mathiah and Elephale and Mikanai and Obed-Edom. And Jael the porters. Verse 21. And Matthiah and Elephale and Mikaniah and Obed-Edom. Verse 24. And Shebaniah and Jehoshaphat and Nethaniel and Amasai and, Zech- and uh, Zechariah and Benaniah and Eleazar the priest did blow with the trumpets before the ark of God and Obed-Edom. And his buddy were doorkeepers. Notice, for the ark. Obed-Edom couldn't stay away. Once the presence of God has impacted your life, I can't stay away. Can't stay away from it. Because it's impacted my life. Hallelujah. 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 5. Asaph, the chief, and next to him, Zechariah, Jehiel, Shemiramoth, uh, uh, and Jehiel, and Matthiah, and Eliab, and Benaiah, and Obed-Edom. Man, you see him serving as a porter, serving as a doorkeeper for the ark, and now the boy's in the choir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 38 of the same chapter. And Obed-Edom. Well, let's start in verse 37. So he left there before the ark of the covenant of the Lord Asaph and his brethren to minister before the ark continually as every day's work required. And Obed-Edom with their brethren, three score and eight, Obed-Edom also the son of Jeduthun and Hosha to be porters. Hallelujah. His sons are even listed in the service to the house of God. 1 Chronicles 26. Now the reason this is important, he's been impacted by the presence of God. The ark of God was in his house for a short period of time and the presence of God so impacted him that he decided, I want to be involved in everything I can get involved in. Amen. Verse 4, 26 verse 4. Moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom. And it goes through and talks about them. Verse 8. And all all these of the sons of Obed-Edom, they and their sons and their brethren, able men for strength for the service were threescore and two of Obed-Edom. So even his sons are listed in the service of the house of God. When the presence of God impacts you, and you get involved in serving God, it impacts your family. It impacts your family. 
You know, I, I look back over the years, and especially in my formative years, my years of growing up, I've talked about being raised classic Pentecostal. And, you know, for those of you that uh, 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 wonder what that was, we're original old-time Pentecost. I mean, we rolled on the floor, shouted, ran pews, ran. Uh, women shouted their hair down. We were Pentecostal. We were not full gospel or charismatic. We were Pentecostal, all right? I still am Pentecostal. But my point is, is we didn't have all the theology correct. We didn't have everything correct that maybe uh, we see today. But here's the thing that, that I'm so grateful for is I was raised with a pattern of serving God. The local church meant something to my family. Amen. When, you understand? I, I remember the little Assembly of God church that we went to in Florida. We were involved in everything. My dad was an evangelist. My mother would be at prayer meetings. We would be at fellowship meetings. Our life revolved around the church. That's what we did. Our friends were in the church. Our, if we played baseball, it was people from the church. We went camping with people from the church. It was about the church and about the presence of God because our relationships were so close because we experienced something in those services that everybody else that we knew didn't experience. There was a connection that nobody else could have because they weren't there in the presence of God. Amen. And it impacted our family. And, and, I, and I think that there, so there's a reason that I'm a pastor. There's a reason my sister's a pastor. There's a reason her oldest son is a pastor. There's a reason my, my youngest son is a pastor. Because the generations are affected by our desire to serve in the house of God. Amen. And, and, and you'll never, you can never underestimate that. When you're serving, when, you, when, when, when you're playing an instrument or singing or ushering or working in the AV department or a children's worker or whatever you're doing, adults see you, but children see you. They see you serving God. They see you serving. They see you ushering. They see you greeting. Don't ever think that's lost on them. It's not. You are an example for them. You are a pattern. You are a model. They are saying that person loves God and I want to be that way. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Oh, glory. So don't miss the opportunity to serve in the kingdom. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says something in the book of Proverbs. It says the person that looks out the window and sees the clouds, it says they won't go to work that day. And they'll miss a harvest. That's my paraphrase. Amen. The, per, the absolute perfect time is never going to show up. Hallelujah. That's why Paul told Timothy, remember what he said? He said, here's the issue. You preach the word. You be instant in season and out of season. You preach the word when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. What's he saying? You keep your service to the house of God where it needs to be. Amen? Amen? Romans 12. Am I helping you? Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 12. 
Hallelujah. And verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The ESV says, your spiritual worship. The uh, Young's literal translation says, your intelligent service. The New Living Bible says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Now, well, let me read on for a moment. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find success uh, acceptable. That's truly the way to worship him. So, of course, I give my body to God in the sense that I don't sin, uh, I don't live immorally, but there's also something else to understand. I have been given this body for service. And so he says, in light of all that God has done for you, give your body to him for his service. There are things that you as a believer don't have to pray about. What does that mean? You don't have to pray about getting involved. You may pray about what to get involved in, but you don't have to pray about getting involved. If the local church that you attend is the church you call yours, you have a responsibility to be involved. I should say that again. If the local church that you're a part of, you attend, you, don't, you, you have a responsibility to be involved with it. Somebody came to Pastor Michelle today, and uh, there, there were about three men shoveling the sidewalk. We don't have to do that much here. Thank God. You notice I'm here. <laughs> you say, it's going to snow next week. No, I've already cleared that up. It's going to be sunny next week. Amen. But, but, but the point is, uh, they, they were shoveling, and somebody came and said, you know, could we, uh, could we uh, hire somebody to do that? And Pastor Michelle said, no, because we'd be taking the opportunity for people to serve away. You know, if it was to snow... Which is not, Miss Gloria, it's not going to snow, okay? Not going to snow, okay? I know. But if it was to snow at my house, that walk is my responsibility. I wouldn't call my neighbor and say, hey, come shovel my walk. Right? It's my house. A local church is a family. Everybody in a family has their responsibilities. If I walk by the garbage in our house and it's overflowing, it's my job to take that out. I shouldn't wait till my wife asks me. If, if I walk in, in Liliana's room, now she's learning, right? And there's things that need to be picked up. I'm doing her a disservice to pick them all up without at least calling her and saying, come here, you need to help me. Why? This is our house. Right? This is your room. That's your bed. That's your closet. Folks, this is your church. This is our body. This is our family. This is what God has called us to get involved in. Amen. Numbers 18. 
Well, Pastor, you know, look, 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 things are getting better. Well, but you know, things are getting better. Why? Because the pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Amen. Hallelujah. Numbers 18 and verse 6. He said, And I, behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. To you they are given as a gift for the Lord to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Therefore you and your sons with you shall keep your priest office for everything of the altar and within the veil and you shall serve. I have given your priest office unto you as a service of gift and the stranger that cometh nigh uh, shall be put to death. Now we're not going to put anybody to death. But but he said notice I'm giving you the priesthood as your spiritual privilege of service. That's what the New Living says. Well, Revelation 1.6 says that Jesus has made us kings and priests to our God. Notice that the priests were given for service. Amen. In the local church, we have to consistently examine our ratio of service to being served. And if my ratio of being served is greater than my ratio of service, I've got to even it out. Hallelujah. If you look around at a department and you see the same people doing the same thing every day, every service, and you're noticing it, it's time for you to get involved. Amen. Amen. Because everybody needs the opportunity just to sit under the Word without being distracted by having to do something. It's the service to God that they're giving, but they still need the opportunity to sit under the Word without any hindrances and hear what God's saying. Amen. I used to have people, they'd they'd talk to the nursery workers when they were leaving. Oh boy, you missed a good one today. Don't ever say that. Because they were ministering to our children. If anything, get involved. If anything, say, I'll help. How can I get involved? Hallelujah. Do you see that? I've had people come and say, you need more ushers. And I say, you're a good fit. (laughs) Amen. Tough call, get you a tag made up. (laughs) Amen. You can help. It's important. Boy, that same person's greeting every service. It's because you have not yet signed up. Boy, it got quiet right there. It got quiet. Yeah, but but, but you can fist bump, you can elbow bump. But But the point is that I'm making is he said we're priests and kings. Priests are for service. Am I helping you tonight? Hmm. Glory to God. Look at Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Because, you know, moving into the building that we're going to move into, 
You know, it's kind of like moving into a big house with the furniture you had in your one-bedroom apartment. Kind of looks like doll furniture. Doesn't work. Amen. When we moved into our new house, that's the first thing my wife did was get online and go furniture shopping. Wasn't like I had to twist her arm to do it. But, but the point is, her, you know what her constant comment was? That couch isn't going to fit in that house. Amen. You can't have what we're moving into and have three folks doing everything. It's like the man said, be like a BB rattling around in a barrel. Amen. Acts 6, notice this uh, verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So the building of the house in Acts 6 took place as believers begin to serve. And notice verse 8 says, And Stephen full of faith and power did great wonders and miracles among the people. You know the Bible never tells us that Stephen ever operated in a ministry office. It never calls him an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. He was a deacon. That's what the scripture says. And yet when you read Acts chapter 7, you see the single greatest evangelistic message in the Bible. A deacon preached such a powerful message that it caused those people to be so convicted that they gnashed their teeth together and just had to kill him. Amen. Now that may not be the ministry office you want to step into. But think about that. When did the ministry take off? When people started serving. Are you with me? When people started serving. Notice what Peter said. He said concerning this. Now this is a familiar verse. But verse 2. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples to them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. I've said this over the years. You know, there are people that want the pastor to do everything. I will do everything, but just understand that everything that I do means I've got to move away from the Word to do it. And notice what the Scripture says. This saying pleased the multitude, and they said, okay, we're going to set these seven men into this position of handling this business. And what happened? The Word of God increased, and the church multiplied. Amen. Hallelujah. Philip, notice, it talks about these two men specifically. Stephen, who we see here that did great wonders and miracles. And Philip, who did great, Stephen did great wonders and miracles. Philip went on to become an evangelist. Turned Samaria upside down was so spiritual he was transported spiritually. Amen. Talked to the Ethiopian eunuch and got him saved. And then history records that he went back to Ethiopia and a revival started. Hallelujah. 
And then, and then look, look at the effect in Philip's house. Reading the book of Acts, it says that when Paul and his company went there, they stayed with Philip the evangelist who had daughters that were virgins and prophesied. That's not a coincidence. Philip stayed hooked up to the local church and it impacted his family. Uh, you know, when my, when my father passed away, when my dad went to heaven, uh, you know, as far as inheritance, the inheritance that I received from my dad was a relationship with God. I mean, he, I, I, and, and it's a treasure. I mean, I got, I got his Bible. It's a treasure to me. But here's my point. So as far as earthly goods, I didn't get anything. And I'm not complaining. But here's something. I inherited a love for God. When I was standing in, uh, we, were, we were at the viewing uh, of, of my dad's uh, body. And uh, my mom and his best friends had come from Virginia. And we were there. And I was standing around uh, while my mom was, uh, uh, you know, I say talking to him. I mean, we know he wasn't there. But she, you know, and y'all have met my mother, just, you know, four foot nothing. And uh, 92 pounds sopping wet, if that. She called Mary little. And I said, well, Mary's taller than you are. Anyway, she was, she was there looking at my dad. And I'll never forget, she was messing with his hair. And she said, I've loved you from the day I met you. And she said, I've loved you since you led me to Jesus. When she was 17 years old, my dad led her to Jesus. They were married over 50 years serving God. And any mistakes that we may have seen, any, you know, families have issues. But what, kept, what always came back to me was the fact that when church was open, we were there. I was taught how to pray. I was taught how to listen to the Holy Spirit. I was in services where the Holy Ghost was moving and God could minister to me and reveal things to me and move me in certain directions. My parents' service in the local church impacted our family. Philip served in the local church and you can see the impact that it had on his family. The greatest influence on children besides their parents, are the adults they run into in the local church. That's, that's, where, they're go- that, that's where people are going to minister to them. That's where the Holy Spirit's going to be able to minister to them. Hallelujah. Amen. I can still remember those old saints. Albert uh, or, or Marie Maynard. Albert and Marie Maynard. Albert didn't come to church a lot, but his wife did. We called her Aunt Marie. Praying this woman I ever met in my life. Pray heaven and earth together. Amen. You'd go to her with the problem. She'd say, well, let's just pray. That woman impacted my life. Because I remember seeing her at prayer meeting, on her knees, calling out to God. Amen. The Kieser family. I remember, I remember growing up, David Kieser and all, the, and all that family would be there crying out to God. If there was church, you didn't have to look for them. They were at church crying out to God, shouting, dancing, running, enjoying themselves in the Holy Spirit. Those people had an impact on my life. Hallelujah. And where did I meet them? In the local church. In the church. 
So important. Hallelujah. It also says here (laughs) about their service to the house of God. Acts chapter 13. (coughs) I'm watching my time. I know you're not, so I'm I'm keeping track of it. (laughs) Amen. It says there was in the church. Now notice, in the church at Antioch. Remember, Antioch is where they were first called Christians. And notice where these men were, in the church. There was in the church... Certain prophets and teachers starts with Barnabas and ends with Saul. And notice, these men went from prophets and teachers to apostles in the local church. Amen. So, it's, there is no ladder in ministry. But you might start off doing something and the accumulation of the anointing moves you into another office. Every time you serve, every, every, every department head, every person, children's ministry, nursery ministers, uh, uh, student ministers, AV, ushers, anybody that has been put in that place by, that, by the lead pastor, by the head pastor, there's a portion of the anointing on that person's life that they're functioning in. Because every ministry is an offshoot of the senior pastor. The pastor's the trunk, and every ministry is a branch. And the branch does not bear different fruit than the trunk. Amen. Do you see this? John 12, 26. Jesus said, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Him will my Father honor. Glory be to God. Do you see that? Reinhard Bonnke, the day after the day after the Lord dealt with him in that magnificent vision that all Africa shall be saved. And it was. I mean, he impacted Africa tremendously. The day after he woke up and he said, Lord, thank you so much for choosing me. And you know, you would think the Lord would say, oh, and I, you know, I appreciate you being willing. You know what he told him? He said, uh, you weren't my first choice. You were my third choice. And the Lord said to him, he said, and I have a fourth choice and a fifth choice lined up and ready to go if you choose not to do it. And of course, Bonky said, no, you won't need third or fourth. I'll, I'll do it. Now, I say that for a reason. I remember I was talking to Pastor Caldwell one time. We were in uh, um, California, and uh, we were on the elevator. We were going down to dinner, and I was visiting. We were talking, and, and we were talking. I forget exactly what we were talking about, but something about doing some things that were on our heart for God. And I made the statement uh, that I've, I've heard a number of times, and I agree with it to an extent. But I said, well, you know, it's, it's better to be a little behind God than too far out in front of him. And I'll never forget it. It was just one of those moments that the elevator stopped and he looked at me and he said, unless you're too far behind, then you'll just get somebody else. And the elevator door opened and he just walked off. And I thought, well, he's just going to leave me in here with that, I guess. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. 
But that's, that struck me. The Bible talks about certain things, and it says today is the acceptable time of salvation. Now is the time for what God wants to do. Amen. At the beginning of a new year, and I'm not just teaching on this because it's the beginning of a new year. I teach on this all through the year. But this year, what can I set my sights and say, I'm going to do more for God this year than I've ever done before. Amen. More this year than ever before. Hallelujah. Do you see that? People say, well, you know, Pastor, you know, I'm a leader and you expect a lot out of leaders. Well, that's because leaders often spend more time with the sheep than the pastor does. And that's why leaders have to have more expected from them. They're influencing the flock of God. I never wanted to be that leader that, a, that a, a new convert or a newcomer would encounter and they would find out that I wasn't excited about the things of God as they were. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. God is in faith builders. The attitude of the ministry of helps infects and influences the newcomer. God is at the door. God is in the nursery. God is in the media center. God is in the AV booth. God is seating me. Think about that. When someone comes and they have trouble with the seat and, and Brother Billy or Brother Ralph or Tavakal, one of them, they, they see that person looking and they go help them find a seat. God helped that person find a seat. That was the usher. No, the God's in the usher helping people. Amen. Every time somebody in the AV department flips that camera on and begins to live stream the message, God is sending that message into homes and into houses, not only where people don't want to come to church, but where people can't come to church. Hallelujah. Our television ministry grew 41% this year. 41%. In certain time slots, according to the information that we received, we, we, and this was their words, they said, you crushed ministries like Joel Osteen, Creflo Dollar, and Alan Jackson. You say, I don't know who Alan Jackson is. Me either, but evidently I... But, but, but I'm telling you this for a reason. People want the Word. People want the Word of God. And you have a part by your service of making sure the Word of God goes out in its fullness and its effectiveness. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You see the changes in our worship service team. Brother David is taking more and more of the lead. Amen. Because especially on the weekends, my wife or I want are preaching on Saturday. Amen. Amen. Then we were helping with worship, and, and we don't mind doing it. We can do it. We have an anointing to do it. But he came along and he said, look, I think you need to be able to give your focus to more things. Yeah. Amen. And God's increasing that. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. So what are we believing for? We're believing for a bass player. A guitarist. I believe we got one coming in April. Amen. We got a drummer. More singers. Amen. 
Yeah, but you know, Pastor, the singers we got, yeah, but they're not the only singers. They're not the only ones that can serve God in their singing. Remember, if you see the same people doing the same thing every week, you need to get involved. Now, you've got to be able to sing to be up there. Or we'll have you singing back up, way back up. <laughs> Amen. My wife and I desire so much a parking lot service team. Parking lot ushers. Amen. Need eight people. Why? We need four every week. So important. So important. Somebody with a heart that when they, when they pull up to the church, even though we're in this complex right now that we're not going to be in very long, but they see the trash and they see the things and they think that's not a good reflection on us. We're the church in this place. We should be picking that up. Amen. How can I help you park your car when it's raining and you see a lady that had to park a long ways off? We need somebody that will say, I'll take an umbrella out there and help her get into church. Why? It's part of service. And so our service to God starts before we ever get in the door. Amen. That's, that's not everybody's ministry. That's not, now understand what I mean by that. Everybody's not going to do that. There are people that have a job you're already doing. But there are people that are not doing, that could be doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Usher's service team. Brother Tavakal is always looking for new members. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because we need ushers in the back. We need ushers that can sit in the foyer through service and rotate. Yeah. So we can have one or two out there every service. Yeah. Amen. We need him to be able to give his attention to what I need. And what Pastor Michelle needs, so we can have an usher in the back, usher on the front row, usher here, usher there, usher, usher everywhere. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. At least three or four deep. Why? Because it's always, it's, uh, there's always enough service to go around. And when, when you have three or four deep, that means that when Brother Ralph comes to service, he's not going to be on call every time. When Brother Billy's at service, he's not going to be on call every time. Papa calls always on call. Now, I'm joking. But you understand what I mean? Hallelujah. Greeter service team. That's a good team. Eight, four each week. Hallelujah. It's important that people feel welcome, that people feel like we enjoy their presence. I don't know if you've ever, one time my wife and I went to a church and there was no greeter and uh, uh, we walked in the door and they had a paper cup on the wall that was thumbtacked on the wall and it said gum deposit. I knew I was in the wrong church. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But it, 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 it just wasn't welcoming. You know, I can get up and preach the greatest message in the world, but if people don't feel welcome, if they don't feel like this is home, if they don't feel loved, if they don't feel cared for, it doesn't matter how great my message is, they're likely not returning. Sheep love sheep. Amen. Little faith builders. I like little faith builders. 
Amen. Well, we got two teachers. We need four assistants. Why? Help. I, I, I can't tell you. I say this all the time. It's immeasurable the impact that that service has on my child. Amen. She was telling me today what, that they learned to walk by faith and not by sight. And then she looked at me and said, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Poppy. Amen. Praise God. And it didn't hurt. She said, and if I learn that, next week I get a prize. Everybody likes a prize. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, I've talked to leaders about this too, but you know, we do ourselves a favor. You should make your department the department to work in. Your department should be the go-to department. I've told, people, I've told people for years, if I was the head of a department, I'm the head of the church, if I was a, a head of a department, every Sunday, every other Sunday, my team would show up and there'd be bagels and coffee. Amen. What about donuts? If you want donuts, I'll buy you donuts. You know, funny story, Pastor Michelle, you know, that's one of the things that she was looking at prison time over was robbing a donut store. I joke about it and say it was a bank. It was a Krispy Kreme donut store. And uh, Pastor Nancy, she knew that story. She was at our church one time, and Pastor Michelle was asking her, what would you like in the morning? She said, I don't know, you know, what you eat, but, you know, if, if you wanted donuts, we'd bring it to you. And she goes, no, Michelle, don't bring me donuts, or I'd have to question how you got them. <laughs> so, <laughs> media service team. Well, what's the media service team? Well, you come in, you see the lady standing behind the counter out there, helping people with their media needs. If they get something, uh, they don't have to pay for it, but we still have to do the inventory. Amen. Eight people. Well, that's, 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 that's a supply every week. Audiovisual. This, this is my heart. Because I've watched the same people for two solid years being audiovisual. The same people. Faithful people show up and work. Well, I don't know anything about computers. You don't got to know anything about computers. The wonderful thing about joining up is you get trained. But the point, the point is, is we can become comfortable with the same people doing everything. And it'll get done. But look what I'm missing. Look what I'm missing. Do you, do you see this? So, eight people in that department. The clean team. I've watched the same people clean the church. And they're faithful and they do a good job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you know what? It wouldn't take five minutes to run a vacuum or to hit the trash cans or to clean the windows or to lice all the chairs. You know, in this day and age we live in, everybody's, you know, we want to sanitize. And we do. But if ten people got involved instead of just four, how much quicker would it be? How much more of a blessing would it bring? 
Those are the things that go, go on behind the scenes. And ever, ever what somebody says, ever when, ever what somebody says is a hindrance in being able to get involved in that. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14 that whatever it is, it's still just an excuse. The Bible says that the man made a feast, symbol of the Father, and he sent out invitations. And you'll remember it says that they all with one consent begin to make excuses. The one said, uh, just got married, got to go on my honeymoon. The other one said, I bought some land, I need to go look at it. That's really important, you know. And the other one said, well, I just bought some oxen, I got to go try them. In our day and age, that'd be, I just bought a new car, I need to test drive it, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, he came back and told the master that, and the master, you remember what the master said. He said, you know what, hey, I understand things go on. I mean, you know, I, I understand, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. No, 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 it's not what he said. He said he got angry. Why? He said, I want my house filled. That's what he said. He said, go, go and invite, go into the streets and invite people. And they went and they said, we've done it and there's still room. He said, then go into the highways and the hedges and, and invite, invite the poor, invite the homeless, invite the addicted. Why? I want my house full. Now that may sound strong, but that's what Jesus said. When I get involved in doing something, for God that takes me outside my comfort zone and I'm building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said the Father would honor me. Hallelujah. And here's the point. You can come to a local church and not be involved, but you will never know the benefits of that local church until you get involved. Because the benefits of the local church are far more than just hearing the word and enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's that it's those other things that come to me as I get involved doing what God wants me to do. So when we serve God in the local church, we can reach people for the kingdom and all the excellence that it that comes with it. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you tonight for all that you've said to us, all that you've blessed us to hear. And, Lord, we thank you that you're building your church. And just as the psalmist said in the book of Psalms, he said, Father, that unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So we thank you for our part in it. And we ask you to show us our part in it in the name of Jesus. And that what we do would be a testament and a testimony to your goodness in our life. Oh, Father, we thank you. And we praise you for it. In the name of Jesus.